Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, as a growing city, we have growing city problems. No one knows that better than Columbus City Council President Shannon Harden. With the influx of new residents and new jobs, President Harden discusses transit as an equity issue, the importance of continuing conversations around race and policing, why we have to do big things now, and the big changes coming to how City Council will be elected starting next year. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, or MORPSI, featuring stories about local and regional partners that envision and embrace innovative directions in economic prosperity, transportation, sustainability, and an inclusive Central Ohio. Morpsey's transformative programming, innovative services, and public policy initiatives are designed to promote and support the vitality and growth in the region. For more information, please visit morpsey.org. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here virtually with Columbus City Council President Shannon Harden. President Harden, how are you, sir? I'm good, my friend. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my apologies if I fade back and forth between President Harden and Shannon, if that's okay with you. I do it every day. I fade back and forth between the two. Please know that the the deference is certainly there. Uh, So for those that aren't familiar with you, give us sort of your backstory. Grew up in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And then how'd you get to council? Sure. Um, so I was born and raised here in the city of Columbus. I claim the south side of Columbus, um, Southfield, really where I spent most about to start uh, rapping. Most of your days? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's where I probably spent the most uh, impactful times of my life from, say, 10 through um, going to high or going to college. My mom uh, still lives in Southfield. And so I'm still down there. I, I, I do do the caveat that uh, when I was first born, my mom and dad, we owned uh, a horse farm in Delaware, Ohio. Hmm. And so that's where I really got started. And my, my dad raised American quarter horses in uh, after my parents got divorced in Maysville, Kentucky. So I had this really crazy upbringing where I would be um, uh, in the country during the weekends and mm-hmm. uh, be in urban city during the week. And uh, so it's giving me a great perspective. But I uh, grew up on the south side of Columbus. I went to Columbus City Schools, first to Fairwood Elementary, then to Columbus Afrocentric School, and then I uh, went to uh, Columbus Alternative High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. <laughs> where also I came a in. cosmonaut over yes, here. Yes, yes, yes. That's why we get along so well. We are <laughs> uh, cosmic scholars. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I I, uh, I graduated from cause in 2005 and it was at cause, though, that I started my um, I'm sure when you were there, certainly when I was there, we had an internship requirement. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, every Wednesday we had to pick a location, uh, a, a place for the year where we would intern. Uh, and I chose um, the Mayor's Action Center. Now, in choosing the Mayor's Action Center was certainly not foreign to me. The Mayor's Office City Hall was not foreign to me. Uh, my mother uh, was the front desk clerk at Columbus City Council when I was born and mm. worked her entire career here in this building at City Hall uh, until she retired uh, after 30 years or so um, in 2014. And so I was certainly aware and around uh, this building all through uh, growing up. That certainly had an impact. I I often say that um, you can't be what you don't see. And the proximity uh, that my mom provided, even though she was a a clerk, she answered the phones at City Hall. She um, worked really hard and brought us to to work every day. take your child to work day. And I kind of took to it. And so mm-hmm. I, in high school, I started uh, interning in the mayor's action center, uh, which is the precursor to three one one call center. And I really say that that is like my um, hook. It's the thing that got me and keeps me in, in public service today, especially on the local level. And as everyone knows now, the three one one call center, you call in with your issues back in the day. Um, it was just a couple of old ladies um, ran by um, this little old white lady from Harrison West. Um, her name is Mary Funk. Still the very best community engagement, community um, ambassador, ombudsman that I've ever met. Um, she hmm. is the pinnacle, in my opinion, of public service and, and of the type of public servant that I want, want to be and aspire to be. So she was a great mentor to me um, for many years as, a, as a, just a community person working at City Hall. But I, I, you know, the thing that I love so much about the job and the internship was that somebody would call in, they would have an issue. Maybe the snow plow didn't come through their street or maybe even the uh, refuse department skipped their house and didn't uh, pick up their trash. And you would get this call from somebody who would call you pretty pissed um, about this issue. It's in some people's view, a mundane issue to some folks. And certainly the person that's making the call, it's, it's a big deal. It's an interruption. And to be able to answer the phone, to take the complaint, to then click over, call the department and say, hey, could you send another truck out there? We messed up. We, the city, messed up. This resident mm-hmm. needs Can you send this out there and fix this, this issue. To be able to then click back over, tell the resident, hey, if you're home in the next you know, three hours, we will have somebody out there. And in a small but in a very significant way, really um, shake their how this person, these individuals, um, saw their government. Because what I learned in that internship was that a lot of folks were making that call, not really expecting a government to respond quickly or expecting to be taken seriously or expecting their trash to matter. But in the um, span of five minutes of making that connection, was able to reaffirm in some small way, but again, in a big way, folks' belief in their government, that this mm-hmm. thing was for them and that it was a service that they were owed um, and that, that we could provide to them. That has been the thing that has kept me, gave me the hook that I love about um, public service, specifically local government. I always say I would never run for office outside of local government uh, because it's that proximity. Those are our neighbors calling. So I did that for several years, uh, all through high school. Um, during college, I came back, I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, very significant to me as a, a, a historically black college and university where Dr. King and many others came out of. But 
uh, coming back during the summer, I interned then in uh, different departments around the city. I worked in the um, public utilities uh, department and uh, was a fiscal agent working on a lot of different projects coming through. And again, just uh, that that learning and understanding city government, the impacts that it has, big and small, that job, I never got to talk to residents much and no one ever saw me, but I knew that I was part of a bigger thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so the mayor Coleman, former mayor Coleman, had heard about me, obviously seen me uh, growing up in City Hall, coming to take your child to work day, uh, knew of the internships uh, that I had within the city. And so when I was in college to live more house, he offered me a job. He said, when you come out of college, come back up and uh, we'll hire you. I thought he was talking shit. I thought he was just being a politician. <laughs> uh, but uh, true to uh, his word, he uh, offered me a job in his office, in the mayor's office upon graduation in 2000. And so I started, I graduated in, in the fall of 2009 and started working for uh, the city of Columbus in 2010, uh, full-time for Mayor Coleman. Did that for four years, um, loved the job, rose to um, a community affairs coordinator uh, and manager of the mayor's external uh, community affairs uh, mm -hmm. job where we first met Tim uh, mm -hmm. when I was doing that that role. And I remember I, one of the roles that I had as uh, working for the mayor was uh, his liaison to the U.S. Conference of Mayors, which meant we flew around the country uh, going to these conferences. And I, on a flight home one, uh, one time, he said, you know, it's time for you to step up your public service. And I was just like, uh, you know, I would love to, but, you know, there's so many reasons why it's not right for me. One being I'm young. And he's like, Shannon, I know you're young. And I was like, well, I'm young and I'm black. And he was really perplexed. He's like, bro, I definitely know you're you're black. So, yeah, I know you're black. <laughs> And I'm like, Mayor, well, no. For I'm the young. younger folks, it's important to note that Coleman is a, also a black man. He's a black guy. He's a he's a black right. guy. And have, have known me most of my life. And so, you know, so when I got to young black, he's like, bro, what the hell are you talking about? Because what I was also saying, I think I was using a code where I was saying I'm too liberal. And I was just, I was being uh, mm. liberal for the city. I'm too, I'm black. I'm too liberal for the city. I'm young. Um, and he's like, Shannon, what are you talking about? I'm like, Mayor, I, I can't do this right now. I can't do this job. I'm, I'm young, I'm black, and I'm gay. And uh, on this flight, he told me, you know, he said, Shannon, you know, first of all, that's only an issue if you think it's an issue. He's like, for me, I think that's the exact reason why you have to to do this and why you have to do it now. Our city is growing, it's changing, it's becoming more diverse, and a city must see themselves in uh, in its representatives. And so that's why you should you should go. And that's really when uh, a, a switch flipped in my mind um, that took me from behind the scenes or a policy person, which I still my favorite job. I loved it. Absolutely loved it um, mm -hmm. to be a little bit more to be in the uh, more out there in terms of my leadership as the elected official. So I went for Columbus City Council that fall in 2014. And, and back in the day, you, the, the, the thing was, you know, there was a lot of appointments going on. You apply to show people that you're interested. You don't get it, but it just shows folks that you're interested. And then you apply, you know, the next time a seat comes open and it may be you're considered. Um, I accidentally got it the first time. Uh, so uh, I was appointed. I was uh, a pretty young guy and I've been serving ever since. So I've been on council now for uh, eight years. This is my eighth year mm -hmm. on so uh, the last four years I have served as uh, its council president and I've been very grateful to lead this body uh, and, and be a part of leadership in this amazing city. Great. Fantastic. Can you talk through such, just high level some of the, the policy areas that you tend to focus on? Yeah. So I say that um, everything that anybody, not just policymakers and leaders of our city, but all of us who are at all moving in our community right now, should be focused on uh, can only cannot escape is growth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, all the good stuff that is happening and truthfully, a lot of the bad stuff is all wrapped up in that growth uh, that, that is happening in our city. We all know that we're going to add 500,000 to a million more people over the next 20 years. Uh, and um, that kind of change without real planning, without real process and without real intentionality, especially around equity uh, and making sure that the growth is really meant for and experienced by and supported uh, uh, and uplifting of and is um, correcting uh, issues of our past, then that kind of growth um, can be really bad if not really thought through. And so everything that I do, uh, all the work that I, I uh, am focused on is really around the growth of our city and how we can do that in a equitable and inclusive way that, that lifts all boats. Um, because I think that uh, for a, the last decade, I think that we have we've been doing well for a long time in Columbus for at least a decade, probably two decades, two decades. But, you know, it hasn't been felt by everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and as a city is growing and we're getting more dense, you have the folks that, you know, we have the two thirds of our community uh, who are not doing what are doing well. And then you have that third that are not. And they're they're literally looking at, mm-hmm. at this stuff. They're hearing about these celebrations. We saved the crew and we um, build up downtown and build up this waterfront, you know, uh, the river. And those are amazing things that we have done. Uh, and many, many more. But how the hell is this impacting me in a good way? And so as we grow more, that kind of thing will happen. Th- those things will happen and good for us. We will continue to do those those big um, things. But it has to be for everybody. It has to be for everybody or else we will lose the thing that is most special about our city. The thing that that completely uh, separates us and makes us better than any big city in the country is that a kid on the south side of Columbus is still somehow connected to a person in Clintonville. Or, or you know, the old lady who lives in Linden is still a part of the concern of somebody on the west side. We still, we are so unique in this as, as a city our size that we are still connected. We still care. We still love our neighbor. Um, and we still feel like, you know, it's not great over there, but it's part of my problem. And I want to be a part of fixing it. And if we don't start to do things and really lean into things that are demonstrably for everybody, then I think that we will start to say, start uh, pitting each other against each other, saying, well, screw German Village because I'm not doing well over here or screw um, the South Side or why are you investing so much in Linden when you know we need a street paved over here? We right now still have this real opportunity to, to build this boat and make it float where we are lifted together. And I think it's like the most special thing. And so this growth conversation, um, you can we can go in a million different ways of how we're we're leaning into it. Uh, obviously, affordable housing and in our housing issue, we went from a housing problem four or five years ago to a, a full fledged crisis, and we have to lean into it. We have to build more housing. We don't have enough. We don't physically have. We have a supply demand issue in our city that is um, crippling us, and, and will make it hardly impossible for folks who work in our city to be able to live and raise their family in our city. We cannot. We cannot make the mistakes of these other communities. So housing is a huge focus of mine. Um, transit is a, a huge, huge focus of mine. We, we cannot, we're the largest city in the country with advanced, without advanced transit. We cannot mm-hmm. physically add a million more people and not terribly change your quality of life. If you are a Columbus resident and we do not do a transit system, 
then your quality of life will be diminished. And if you want to sneak peek into what this looks like, it looks like the short north pre-COVID where um, for all of us Columbus folks, we the parking sucked. And because mm-hmm. we didn't, because of the neighborhood grew faster than our plans for transportation and how we would get people in and out of it. If you don't, if you did not love that, then we got to focus on transit because if not, it's coming to a neighborhood near you all throughout our, our community, not not just mm-hmm. that downtown, downtown core because of the growth that we're coming up upon. The transit issues and transportation uh, is an everybody issue and we all have to be on it. And we can go deep into that because there are equity issues in there. We have to, be, you know, have a quality. We have to respect uh, the time and the dignity of our workers who need to take transit even. Um, and, you know, it's important for me to get home to my 11 month old baby at night. Um, and I can do that because I have an option to get home quickly. But for some folks who are taking transit, there is you lose dignity in having to take two, a two hour trip home every evening. Mm-hmm. Lose dignity and time and, and precious time with our loved ones. And so this is an equity issue, too. So we got to talk about transit. But then we also got to th- talk about the workforce development component. Uh, we you, we also Intel and this thing about Intel, Intel didn't change anything, but maybe this pace in which we were going in the direction. We didn't divert. It didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't. We didn't say, "Oh, we got Intel. Look at now. Look at us. Now we're going in the right." We're we were already in this going in this direction. It just sped it up. And the issue is, is that we don't have enough credentialed folks ready to take the jobs of the future. I believe the the that. Uh, workforce development, human development is the new economic development for communities. Big companies don't go to go to choose a city based off of just physical infrastructure and even surprise, surprise, off of an abatement or or whatever uh, enticement hmm. that that a government would have to give. They choose it off of uh, who has a workforce that is primed, educated, and ready to take jobs. Um, we have an issue there. Uh, it's why we created the Columbus Promise. I would love to talk more about the Columbus Promise. It, it is. Um, a guarantee that any kid coming out of Columbus City Schools will be able to go to uh, college for free, tuition free. Uh, and they would have the wraparound services to keep them in school, too. So they'll get $1,000 each year uh, to stay in school. Right now, it's a, it's the phase one is, is direct to Columbus State. We are working already on phase two that hopefully will bring in a four-year partner and, and a historically black college and university. And I think the last area, again, all of these things are connected to growth um, mm-hmm. is safety. Uh, as a growing city, we have growing city problems. Um, we Again, we have more and more folks who uh, are um, teetering on the edge. And then we had a whole bunch of people that were teetering on the edge. The pandemic came and they got sw- swapped uh, over the side. Um, we lost the ability to engage with them. We lost the ability to have our social service organizations work with them. We lost the ability for uh, teachers in the school district to have their hands on these kids. We lost the ability uh, for churches to work and just do the social gathering stuff that keeps mentally folks together. So we had these people mm-hmm. that were teetering on the edge already. You bring a pandemic that takes away all of these uh, social constructs, social support, Um I always say that during the pandemic, um, I never had to worry about a roof over my head. My husband and I are fine. We never had to worry about food on our table mm-hmm. um, or how we were going to get the kids, uh, you know, the school when we didn't have laptops. And I almost went crazy. Literally almost lost my mind. <laughs> I almost said the F word. I don't know how, who, you know. Uh, you're fine. You're yeah, fine. I, I I mark it explicit. The first episode explicit. Yeah, you have to put the explicit on there. Who would have man? So I almost lost my mind and and we had all these things. So what the hell did we expect 
for our population that was teetering on the edge, that got wiped over the edge with this pandemic, it was going to have an impact on folks. And we're seeing it in the violent crimes that are happening in our community. Uh, we are making uh, the right investments. We are, are leaning into reform uh, because we can't just whitewash over uh, 2020 and think that the conversations we had around race are not important or were not real or were not correct. We have to have a, a criminal justice system that is good for everybody, not just for some. So we're going to have to support policing, support traditional safety, but also mm -hmm. lean into reforms like alternative crisis, re, uh, alternative crisis responses that are all things that are important to a growing community. Um, all I have to say is that um, growth is the key for all of us. We Anything that you would bring up, anybody that I think you bring on this podcast, um, if they're not somehow connecting what they're talking about to growth, they're off point for the community that we're in. Uh, we have amazing opportunities, but we also have amazing challenges. And I believe that we are in this five, 10 year period where we have to do the big thing now. Uh, we have to do those big things because if we don't, we will fall terribly behind. The story is written. We, we can, you can, uh, you, our growth is the Goldilocks growth, and I thank God for it. Uh, we're growing at just mm -hmm. the right pace that it gives us the, the insight to see where we're going. Um, and it gives us just enough time to do the things to prepare for it. Um, some cities didn't have that opportunity. They grew way too fast. And they now, now they you can't drive around. Now you have crazy equity issues. Now your housing issues will not be solved in some of these cities. We can do it right here if we do the big things now. So... That was fantastic. I mean, I want to circle back on a couple of the things that you talked about. You yeah. talked about, first of all, the the sort of collective pride that thankfully the city has and how we don't demean or have a feeling of less equity towards others in other neighborhoods. Right. I do think, however, that throughout and this is not a criticism of, sure. of how or why, but I think that there are certain sectors of the city that say, why is the Shore North getting so much attention? Yeah. Why did downtown get so much attention? Certainly. I think without the larger narrative of what kind of neighborhood it was in the past, the investment and the explosive growth happening in Franklinton could be looked at as a pet project to some. Mm -hmm. And I want to point to the reforms that the citizen-led uh, Charter Commission made recommendations, I think, in 2017 and then was passed in 18 that specifically pointed to the need for neighborhood commissions to be around to represent every single member of the Certainly. city. Certainly. Yeah. I, I don't know that I have a question there. I think you're you're hitting on something. I think this is the thing is that um, I'm very grateful for the city. I, I am grateful for one. I'm proud of the leadership that we've had over the last uh, 10, two decades even. Yeah. Um, and, and I say often the city that we live in is less about the eight years that I've been on council. It's more about the 20, 25 years of folks before us who did things specifically that put us in a place to be in the city where we are right now. Uh, there were decisions made specifically by uh, former Mayor Coleman in those early years, late years on council in the early 90s and the early 20, uh, 2000s that said that downtown was not going to be a ghost town, that it was going to be a place where people live, work, and play. Mm -hmm. We, you know, folks that are younger are looking at this city and like, oh, why are they doing all these things to grow up downtown? Well, because we didn't have an economic engine before. 
Mm-hmm. We, did not, we did not have a downtown. We had a, a flight, uh, a place where people came in nine to five and left. There was nothing downtown and we could not have been competitive. We could not be competitive today if we didn't make real investments in bringing housing downtown, bringing uh, life uh, and entertainment downtown. All of those things. Um, again, I, I get it. Uh, because if I growing for me, even growing up in Southfield, the drive from Southfield up South High Street to downtown was a hell of a drive because you uh, you could just you drove through what felt like you start in the forgotten woods far south and you drive mm-hmm. up High Street. Uh, you start to get cute around Green Lawn. Uh, you look to <laughs> your right and there's some beautiful brick uh, little houses, the German village and then pop you in downtown. It's like, oh, it's a whole new world. I get that. But the truth mm-hmm. is that there is connectivity there. That the economic development that happened downtown in those early years allowed for us uh, to build the Reeb Center on the south side that serves our most needy. Those are the economic de- development dollars that we needed to do those things. So I get that. But what I also get um, and why so time and time, uh, in, I think in 2014, uh, there was almost a ballot initiative. And certainly in 2016, there was a, a ballot initiative um, to... Uh, change how city government worked because folks say, mm-hmm. well, I don't feel represented. I mean, we have this at large uh, system where, you know, I don't feel like I have my own representative who's advocating for me. Um, I think that that is a, uh, I think it's a pure intent in that, that argument and that need and the necessity to have somebody that's just for me. But I think that we have to be careful in terms of how one how one does that. And so I was never supportive of a, tr- a full ward system where we mm-hmm. broke up city in quadrants um and you had one person only thinking about this side of town uh, i think that that was the that is the quickest way to erase everything i talked about at the very beginning where we're all in this mm. together i think that that is very dangerous you look around the country those cities that have most cities have full ward systems or quasi it, it is not that it's not even le- it, we're it, they're less competitive because they're not able to do the big things because no one is having the global view of what's good for all of us. Um, mm-hmm. But they're also not able to provide for their residents. They're able to make them feel good because you can turn on your TV and see your uh, representative, you know, talking mad shit downtown. But right. the truth is they're not able to, to bring anything home because they're just that one vote. And so we, but we, we understood the, the, the reality, the truth in that argument that, wait a minute, we're all at large. We're, we're a growing city, was that all seven council members, even today, we are 220 square mile city. We have 915,000 people. All seven of my council members, we could live in the same apartment building right now and, mm-hmm. and, and say that we represent Columbus. That doesn't, that's not right. We know that. That, right. I mean, that doesn't seem right, doesn't feel right. And so after those uh, failed attempts to change the system, one of the ones was would have added 25 council members to Columbus um, escalating up to 25 uh, council members uh, in districts. Um, I fought hard against that, uh, but we did say we needed a commission to look at this because there was some real credence to these arguments. And what, right. what they came up with was a quasi system, one that says that we are all in this together. We're all in this this thing, Columbus, together. So we should all be able to uh, uh, pick the representatives that represent all of us. We should all be represented by all the same people. However, we need to have uh, geographic diversity on council, meaning that uh, what pe- I believe people meant when they said they wanted a district representative was they want to know that somebody is driving down their street once in a while, that somebody saw that corner store that had been there for 20 years that no longer is there and, and 
feels a pain because of it because mm-hmm. they know that story they want to they want some proximity to their representative and so what the commission came up with was a quasi system where um council members folks who want to run for council will have to live in specific districts mm-hmm. uh, but however they have to live there but they will be they will have to run and be elected by the entire city so now we will have geograph- geographic diversity on council um, but we'll still have the at-large model. What we also noticed, saw, is that council had not not changed its structure and not changed its size uh, in, a, in over 100 years, since 100, and since 1903. And mm-hmm. so uh, we uh, are, have, uh, are adding two new council members. So we will go from seven members all at large to nine members in districts that are voted on at large. So the map has been approved. The map yes. has been released. Yeah. As of right now, and I, full disclosure, I brought this up before I started recording, so I sort of know the answer. Currently, th- you and two other of the current seven members all are in the same district. Yeah. And all of you have to be, well, excuse me, those that decide to run again are all being reelected or elected in 23, yes. 2023. How does that shake out and like where, you know? Yeah. So uh, one thing that I hope our vo- our voters, our constituents are proud of is that, you know, we had a districting process that was led by citizens, residents. They drew these districts. Um, we as council members did not. Um, mm-hmm. You can look at the state house and see what happens currently when you have politicians drawing districts and they're drawing districts for themselves versus having residents lead a process. Um, that is more democratic and good for the better good. Um, mm-hmm. Our process was was community led. Uh, we support it with the commission put forward. Um, three of us do live in, in a district. We uh, like we do in all things in Columbus. We will figure it out. We will um, do what is best for for our residents. And uh, we you know we still have options. There are, are districts that don't have a current council member in it. Maybe uh, we you know folks can move or. Or we will see what will happen. Um, but regardless, 2023 will be a huge year for the city of Columbus. Mm-hmm. Not only will these new nine council, new nine council members be running, or it'll be more than that. I'm sure there'll be primaries and such. But right. you'll have these nine seats open. You will also have open the city attorney, the auditor, and the mayor. So the entire electorate, uh, the entire governing body, the entire governance of our city will be on the ballot. Uh, in 23. Uh, and so uh, get ready. TV time. Uh, commercials <laughs> are going to suck, y'all. Oh, no. Um, but well, that's a lot. So put on your political hat for a second. Yeah. We haven't had. When was the last time we had even a Republican on council? It was. I mean, it had to be the 90s, right? Uh, Early 2000s. We had Jeanette Bradley, who was the last Republican to be on council. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and last time we had a Republican mayor was Lashetka. Yep. Yeah. Lashetka. So for lack of a better, t- this district system, not a ward system, but a district system where like they don't just get to pull from who was active, who's been helping with fundraising, who's been an activist in the space. And I think a criticism of council, frankly, has been mm-hmm. that appointment process in the past. Yeah, I hate it. Where... Somebody knows that they're likely not going to run again, and rather than let it just be an open seat, they res- they resign shortly before or 
before the election in order to allow that person to be not necessarily reelected, but to be an incumbent because it's easy to easy to hold on to the seat. Right. And that's a a demonstration of party power more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Do you have any theory about like, is this truly just going to be feel a little bit more like a free for all? I imagine there will be an endorsed slate. I will get a real big post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right? I intend to. I, I. So, good question, Tim. Um, <laughs> and it's what keeps me up at night. I'm a process guy, anyways. And one of the things, yeah. as leader of this body and a leader of this city, I don't want chaos next year. I don't want chaos for the next uh, 14, 16 months. And so, I will be thinking a lot and working with my colleagues, working with the party, working with. Um, community leaders about a process so that we can have some order in this. That being said, mm-hmm. shit's gonna be crazy. It's we explained. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be insane. One, I, I not that I, there's no pushback on the uh, appointment uh, points that you were making. I have never been a fan of the appointment process. I don't think that I have any grand wisdom um, that says like I and five or six other folks should pick a person. Um, when we went through the charter changes, we, I pushed very hard to change the appointment process, but I was convinced this is how people fill seats. This is how you do it. I mean, the, the only other alternative for us to, to do this because people leave at all times is to, to mm-hmm. trigger a special election. Well, for us to trigger a special election in a city, our size, since again, we're all at large, that's like right. $1.7 million each time. And, you know, and that's just not a good use of our time. That's not a good use of our taxpayer dollars to, to feel. So they are they are uh, temporary appointments. The person has to run. That being said, um, since I've been council president, we've made fewer appointments than any other time. We uh, council member Liz Brown did not uh, run as an uh, elected. She was uh, she right. ran an outsider and and uh, won her seat as well as Councilmember Cinziano, as well as the last two council members that ran with me last year. We we just had folks do what you just explained, the opposite. We had yeah. members retire in council. And it's because we we have made that decision that it is better if we can plan uh, to have people run uh, without without that. So we're, we're, we've been moving in that direction anyways. For this next cycle, I think that you will have a lot of people coming out and wanting to engage. And I think that that's a good thing. I think it's healthy. I've never been offended by anybody running against me. Most of the people that have run against me turn end up being uh, good, great partners uh, and, mm-hmm. and even great friends. Um, uh, not the last person I ran against, but everybody else uh, has ended up being... <laughs> well, but, and, and, and to your point there, hopefully anybody who's running for council or any other elected office in the city is doing it for the sake of the city. Yeah. Right? And so that's where some camaraderie can Yeah, it's very Columbus of us. Like, for them to blow me up on issues, and, and trust me, there is enough stuff that, I mean, we have to make hard decisions every day where the answer, there is not a, like, ah, that's an obvious yes, and ah, ah, you know, obvious no. So there are definitely places where, yeah, we're open, I'm open to criticism. I, I take that um, as part of being a leader. I have to make a decision on hard stuff. If it wasn't hard, somebody below us would make the decision. Um, and so I, yeah. that's fine for me. And most of the folks who, who engage in public service, Republican, Democrat, independent, or, or anything in between, uh, usually are doing it for the right reasons and have been additive to the conversation. So I think that we will have a very um, engaged dialogue next year uh, at every level of government. Yeah. The last thing from the issue area list that you sort of went through is we're at a focal point. 
we've got to invest money in transit. We've got to focus on reform. There are things that we have to do now. That argument doesn't sound dissimilar from climate change argument. And whereas there, people can point to, hey, we've got 10 years left. We've got Mm -hmm. 10 years or 15. So I guess my question is like, you know, you look at a city like Austin where Mm -hmm. arguably it was too late and they had to basically retrofit their their city around their situation. Right. Do you have a timeline, do you think? And I want to add an addendum to that in that should we be afeared that this upcoming election delays that because large change, large initiatives are difficult to do right before an election. Well, um, or am I thinking of this maybe a little bit too much in a, here's how Congress works, but council doesn't necessarily work that way. I I think a couple of things. One, I'm not a futurist. I I listened to one of your podcasts where you had uh, Rebecca (laughs) on, I believe. So, yeah, uh, I don't uh, I I did not even really understand that there are folks that are that specific in terms of what what will happen. But what I do know is that there are forces that are changing our community. It is happening. It will happen over the next 20 years. Maybe I can we can maybe we should use um, the well invested in studies and data that we have that that says that in 20 by 2050, we'll have a million more people. Um, that's enough information already to say uh, to start to back into this thing. If we mm-hmm. have a million more people and that's what we're preparing for and we need to say build a transit system, we're talking about a multi multi billion dollar effort uh, to build it. So one, you had to build the information, the, 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 the engagement with the community to get us all there that we want something. Then you have to figure out what it is that we want. And then you got to go to the public and say, hey, this is what we want. This is what we all believe that we need. Will we ante up some money for it? Um, we have mm-hmm. done the first two steps of that. We have talked to the community. We've gotten everybody saying we need transit. We have come up with a plan. Now we're at the next step. We're about, we need to go to the public. And I think we will in a very short order um, to talk to the public about um, how they uh, w- how we can support transit, uh, not just next year, not just CODA as we know it, but a transformative uh, system um that will that will move our city forward um and i think that we have to have that conversation this year or next i guess it's that soon that we have to have that because we know that once we make the decision it takes 10 years to build the thing Mm -hmm. and so now we're not now we're into 2035 you know and 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 now and and what we're talking about building is 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 the the skeletal system that will do amazing things, but we know that we'll need to do more because by that time in 10 more years, we'll have 250, 300,000 more people. And so we can back into this about when is that time frame of when we have to do stuff. Uh, and I really do think that we're in that sweet spot. I think that it's not just transit though. I think that we have to, um, again, be much bolder on housing and really lean in, into a land use conversation because uh, if we keep building the way we are, which is not nearly enough, but it's sporadic and not, it's not focused, uh, then we will take all the available land and uh, it will just jack up, up costs without a real strategy to bring real density uh, and really be able to bring these folks in. So we have to we have to do that now because that 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 stuff, I mean, people are coming into, you know, every year, last couple of years, 
uh, the, the, the city, the community has created 15,000 jobs. Like that is gangbuster. That's so dope. Like, yay, we created 15,000 <laughs> jobs, but we built, built less than 5,000 units. So like literally we are successing ourselves into failure. Mm-hmm. Like we, we are creating more jobs, bringing more people in and not housing them, which is like, yeah. Fucking and it's not, a, it's crazy. And I, I do think that some people may say like, Hey, this kind of sounds like a chicken little situation. The sun is shining. Everything is great. Uh, whereas it's like, no, the sky might start falling in on us. You no, know, it's don't. falling now. It's falling now. Today, um, I we announced $19 million for human service uh, agencies. Uh, last week, I was with um, uh, service providers that do uh, um, shelter, emergency shelter. I heard stories about from folks who lost their limbs uh, a month ago in January, a couple months ago in January when the temperature was 19 degrees and there were hmm. our shelters were full. Our short shelters are full because another gentleman last week told me that he has a housing voucher, a housing voucher, money to, to get a house. But there is not a house to be rented and renters will mm-hmm. not take the vouchers because they have so they they can pick the best person with the best credit every day now. Um, because there's that much need. So the house is, the, the sky is falling for a lot of our residents. Um, the issue is it'll get closer and closer to you um, and your issues and your concerns if we don't do something about it now. One final question, and then I want to get to the same question I ask everybody, which I'm very interested to hear. What is the best way for the citizenry to engage you and council at large in order to first of all, have their issues be heard. Mm-hmm. And second of all, to help to better the city. This is I mean, a couple, just voting. Yeah, a couple ways. We talked about civic uh, civic associations and area commissions. Um, mm-hmm. Those are that is the place where so much so many things are decided um, because we are still at large and because we don't just have that district representation, those area commissions are council's eyes and ears. And is the first line of information that we get from elected leaders about what a neighborhood wants and what they see is happening on the the ground. Um, But too often, I mean, they are run by folks, great folks, amazing folks, but they've been there for 20 years. They're tired. Mm -hmm. They they are, they've given so much and, and you don't get paid for it. It is just gritty work and people come and beat up on you. And you don't even get to do like the press conferences that I get to do. Like you just get your ass beat all the time. But what you're doing is you're building your neighborhood. You're fighting and advocating for your neighborhood. And you are the conduit up through the system to make sure that your neighborhood's concerns are are heard. We need more good people. We need more young people joining those air commissions and civic associations. There is real power there. There is real influence there. And the only way that we solve um, our housing issue is through our area commissions and having the people that have the understanding, the foresight to, to really think about our city to date, but really where we're going as well. So that's a great, huge opportunity, a huge ask that I would have. Um, second, um, I would say that um, council is the most accessible council or elected officials of any city our size. And I can say that almost empirically because I, I serve on the executive board of the National League of Cities. I represent 19,000 elected officials around the country. There is no mm-hmm. city our size um, that that their council members are are still taking direct meetings, phone calls. Like you can call me like, you know, there, there are direct ways to engage. You can get on our email list. You can come to our community uh, meetings. We do bus tours of the of this city uh, in different neighborhoods. Um, 
Uh, you can follow us on social media. You can DM us and get a response from ourselves or our staff. Um, you can ask mm -hmm. for a meeting, and within it might for with the actual member, it might take three weeks. But you could be with our staff this week if you if you really have a question or concern you want to talk to. So that's another way direct contact with us. But then the third way is if you see a problem and you don't see anybody working on it, that doesn't mean that it's not a problem. It just means that you need to step up and be the be the person, because I promise you, if you step up on the issue, other folks will be like, oh, yeah, I was looking for that place. I was looking for that group of folks who are working on this. Housing in particular is one. We need strong housing advocates. We need strong folks that, that really will, will do the work and understand um, housing policy, look around the country, look around the world, look around what progressive communities have done and or, or what communities have that have not done and what that means. It is so easy for folks to be like, you know, I want affordable housing, but I just don't want it over here near me. Mm -hmm. um, that is happening so I mean, it's, it's, it is ubiquitous. It is that that is the norm now. It is so hard to build anything because great people, good people, people I love, um, love affordable housing, love housing, love more housing, love the idea of bringing more people. They just don't want it anywhere near them. And that is a problem when we all think that way. And so from an actionable standpoint, what you, when you say strong housing advocates, you want people to speak on behalf of Hell yeah. having more. Hell yeah. I mean, zoning meetings are boring until we have a housing uh, uh, project come forward and you only hear one side. You only mm -hmm. hear one side. And the issue is, and I've said this, so in my office right now, I, I have a the 1936 right here. I keep on my desk, a 1936 uh, redlining map of the city of Columbus. Mm -hmm. uh, and I keep it there as a reminder, not just to the people that meet with me, but to myself that these policies are intentional. They're neighborhoods that we have created that have uh, legacy issues were created and boxed in for by policy. So we have to have a policy remedy for all of these things. They're, the forefront of that that fight is in zoning meetings. And we're losing every dime. We're losing every because there's nobody there um, having this conversation. There's nobody there educating the rest of our community about density, what it really means and how it really impacts their lives. And I get it because we this is a newer problem for us. We have mm -hmm. we have land and we've had land in Columbus, so it's not been a issue like other cities. Well, we're there now. We are run. We are, we will run out of land, um, and we will densify. And we if we can do it the right way or the wrong way, but it's coming. And we need and we need housing advocates. There are a couple groups that are standing themselves up um, that I think are good, um, but they need energy. They need people of color. They need people of different uh, education backgrounds, different backgrounds to lean in and, and get their voices heard because um, this will impact you. It will definitely mm -hmm. impact it. and we and we need those advocates out there. But that's just one example. You could do that for a lot of different issues. Uh, Absolutely, where, where I would encourage folks to, to just to get started to research and step out there. Yeah, want to wrap up today uh, by asking the same thing I ask everybody, and hopefully you can go a little bit outside of the box because we talked a lot about like what are the great things about Columbus, what are the the things that we are or will be challenged by i want to hear from you what you think columbus does really well and then what does columbus not do so well well i also think with the thing that i think we do well is is sounds corny it sounds crazy and there's a lot of people who rightfully can put some holes in it but collaboration is easier here than any other city of our size it, like for mm -hmm. real and and like you might be salty somebody listening because your thing didn't get done or you didn't it 
go to another city and try it. I promise you, right. I promise you it is easier to get something done to get another person to collaborate with you in this city than in any other city our size. Um, and that is so special. Uh, we have to protect it. Um, this thing where you do, where you get to meet with somebody, and even if you can't support it, like you usually leave the meeting with like a contact, like the person be like, oh, but you should talk to this person. Yep. That is unique here. We don't have the old silos that these other cities have. That is dope. We do that better than anybody. Uh, what do we do? Uh, not as good. Um, I, um, damn, that's a, that's. <laughs> You know, I mean, we have we have this we have the same big issues that a lot of folks have. Like, I mean, equity. We're leaving people behind. We're we're leaving people. You know what? We can be bolder. We could be more bold. Um, we, you know, we, what I talked about the good thing about us collaborating. Sometimes that means that we're too nice. I like being in a meeting and really just knowing where somebody stands. Like, even if I disagree with them, even if I'm like that fucker. Like I, at least I know where they are and mm -hmm. I can work from there. I think that we need to be big and bold and ha and come with crazy ideas and just try shit more often. Try off the wall stuff. We're, we will fail sometimes. We might even fail most of the time, but a couple of times we will like knock it out of the park. And like those, those times will set us, set us, will leap us forward in so many ways. And I just don't think that we're bold enough. I agree. President Harden, Shannon, thank you yes. so much for your time. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite elected official. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.